Welcome back to the Key in the Lake podcast, the premier whiskey podcast, now with the mention of whiskey in its title. Hey, this is Jake, coming live from our just stupendous studio in the basement of my home in Lakeview East, Chicago, Illinois. For once, we are not out and about in the city of Chicago or recording somewhere else. We're here in our studio, and I'm not alone. Today, with me, the great Eric Rosentreader from Woodenville Whiskey. Yay. <laughs> Happy <laughs> summer. Sounds so pumped up. <laughs> no, it's summertime, and... It's warm out, and I am kind of like a bear, but the opposite in that I go to sleep in the summertime. Hey, because, we are in Boys Town. Because it's, yeah, <laughs> I've got the mustache now, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head up into uh, North Halstead and get some slushy drinks and have fun this afternoon. Oh, <laughs> nice. Where are you going? I'm not sure yet. I just, it's fun in Boys Town. I've got a couple uh, bartender friends that live up here, and Sweet. we actually used to do that when we were, when I worked at Delilah's, we would do like Thursday afternoon. Hmm. Go to the beach, and then go into Boys Town and have slushy drinks all summer. It was fun. That does sound fun. Yeah, I took a slushy drink at the Native the other day. Don't know what was in it. It was a mango drink. But <laughs> Can't go wrong. There, there's no malort in it. Surprisingly, they usually have malorts slushies. <laughs> but, uh, awesome. What are we drinking right now? Uh, this is the Plum Market uh, Woodenville Bourbon, so barrel proof bourbon that they selected late last year. Um, I think the store may have actually closed. I'd have to double check on that. Yeah, it's a very odd situation um, that happened. Yeah, they lost they lost their lease. That's when um, another grocery store could move in. Yeah, big controversy with uh, apparently City of Chicago? the, the no Chicago way. grocer conglomerate is uh, basically strong arming the little guys. So yep. uh, this this was one of my favorite barrels we did last year. It Sweet. Was, it's just so unique. It's got that old school like kind of butterscotchy mm-hmm. old granddad from National Distilling sort of thing going on in it. I love this. Yeah, definitely. And they were they were cool to taste with too. Um, when when presenting, I don't know how. I always ask how the account does it. Yeah. Um, I don't like to interfere with their process. Uh, if they ask me to participate, then great. If they don't, I just let them do their thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not there to impose my opinions or anything like that onto the account. So we actually tasted this together. And when they picked this barrel, I was like, that's the one I would have gone with. Nice work. You nice. Know? Yeah, it's, it's really fun. Do you find it strange when accounts don't want you to be there to pick a barrel with them? Um, I almost insist that yeah. that I'm there. Um, if it's somewhere uh, for Illinois, anyway, my home market for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's we how we do our barrels is I get samples sent to the distillery, uh, set up a set up a date with the account or on premise, off premise, whoever whiskey group, um, or or a whiskey group, and then within like 24 to 48 hours, I need to communicate what's on that label. And then the barrel that they picked. So it's it's kind of a very expedited situation mm-hmm. because we don't have barrels lying around that we can just pick from. Mm-hmm. We do it per uh, per harvest, per barrel harvest. So it's like, hey, these are the barrels we're going to dole out. Um, hey, phone's ringing. Don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> um, and then whatever barrels aren't picked of that group, we actually put them back into rotation. Mm-hmm. So they're not just lying around do you have a certain amount of barrels you allocate for like a a quarter it it varies per state so we do like a yearly allocation per state um and again that's where the timeliness comes in because you get people that are just hungry for anything Mm -hmm. um and then you know it's for us too it's about developing a relationship we don't just we use them as complimentary sales not supplementary if Mm -hmm. that makes sense we're not just like oh you want well everybody wants a barrel now but you know, we, we don't get into allocating or making allocation demands, but it's like we want to work with people that we already have partners with partnerships with or are looking to build a partner with us. Because mm. if they don't sell our other whiskeys, then a single barrel doesn't really help us lift our tide either. No, you know? no, no, it doesn't. I ask about the course of sampling with or without because I had a whiskey group last year. I can't remember when I tasted them out. But they're like, hey, we really want to Star Wars single barrel. I'm like, great. Awesome. But they're uh, kind of all over the Midwest, the guys that run the, the club. It's more of a national club than it is just a localized club in one state. So I sent the guy core samples because they're all be, be in the same place at some point. Sent him five different samples and was like, let me know when you want to jump on Zoom to do a tasting. The next week I get an email saying, hey, we chose this one. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. weird. I'm like, 
didn't we <laughs> decide that or agree that we were going to taste them together? And it was the first time I had ever done that where I wasn't a part of a tasting or I couldn't make it for some reason, yeah. whatever the circumstance might be. And I felt a little left out, felt a, felt a little unsure as well about why they're picking such barrel. And it was fine, but at the same time, now communication slowed down with them. And they haven't got their barrel yet. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, and they, yeah. So I, I'm always weary. I know we're, it's a big conversation with you and I and some of our other whiskey friends about what is the purpose of clubs? How do clubs serve their purpose? <laughs> Are they a necessary purpose, too? Uh, yeah, your, your episode with Callum, um, where you guys kind of took the rose-colored glasses off mm. and talked about the real ins and outs. And yeah. this this is not a shot across the bow, bow about whiskey groups at all yeah but more or less like the the the, it's challenging because legally the the whiskey group is not beholden to anything no they can walk away anytime they want and that could be really damaging to not only a brand but to an account right the retailer is more and then the relationship that that brand has with the retailer right and and you're left holding the bag you know and and it's it's challenging because these guys can just ghost on you because a lot of these whiskey groups are not legally recognized businesses it's it's you know typically a social group or, or people that are just banding together to do that and it's it's kind of shrunk i think since things have started to open up again not everybody's drinking at home all the time right um but also too we started doing as a brand if you want to you know pick a barrel with us and be involved we have people kind of like four roses does uh mm. sign the we have it it's called we call it the terms and agreements contract which basically means no secondary stickers on it um no waxing of the top i mean we can't stop them from doing it but yeah. should they sign and you have to sign it before you're even considered um and some people are just like well we always put our stickers on it and we're like okay well we can't do that then if you're telling me that's what you're going to do I'm not going to, like, this isn't going to happen. Sell a bottle uh, at your store. Give people a sticker on it. Because, you know, if people put a sticker on it at home, we can't stop people from doing that. That's ridiculous. But if it's sitting on a shelf Mm -hmm. in a retail account, what it basically comes down to is, let's say, you and I have a store. uh, We get involved with Woodenville and Star Ward, naturally, because why wouldn't we do that? Right. And let's say we put uh, a sticker on it uh, that has, I don't know, it's uh, Woody Harrelson. Uh, not that an account has done that in Chicago, but uh, of mine. But if, if somebody puts something with other artists' iconography on there and yeah. it sits on the retail shelf, we could get sued, the retailer mm-hmm. as well as the supplier. We could get sued for intellectual property theft. Yeah, I actually just came across that with a club in Connecticut, I think. Yeah. They had... They didn't really have a logo. They had a really bad clip art logo that someone did. Right. Um, yeah. Right. But that clip art was the shape of a Glencairn. Yeah. And people don't know that's intellectual property. It is. It's a Glencairn. It is. Many people try to get around it or just don't realize it and make their own glasses or use it as a logo because it's a very recognizable glass, a synonymous glass with whiskey. Um, good job, Marty Duffy. Congratulations. <laughs> but the club, uh, I told my coworker in New York, I'm like, hey, we can't use this logo because it's Glenn Karen Glass. Would anybody probably find out? No, but no. it was going through a retailer, so it potentially could. And hey, one of my good friends is the national brand brand market manager, ambassador, king of castle, something, sludge of hammer, of crystal um, <laughs> for Glenn Karen. So I'm just going to let you know. And the club was fine. They're like, oh, okay, cool. I'm like, I'm just going to make your name on the customized label. Put it in right. there, and there you go. They're like, fine, that works for us too. Yeah, most most people are totally fine with it. I mean, like on our on our barrel picks, we do customize the label to say, mm-hmm. you know, if it's a if it's a on or off premise or it's a whiskey group, we can fit two lines of text on the on the window yeah. on the label that will have whatever personalized thing they want on there. Uh, some people got really get really upset though. Yeah, and uh, I have no problem shutting that shit down be like no if this is if this is a linchpin for you then i'm sorry you know that this is not going to happen mm-hmm. um but again the workaround is hey if, if you if your whiskey group is buying this take whatever you buy put your sticker on it in your clubhouse or wherever you yeah. eat and that's fine i'm yeah. not saying like you can't do that but when it comes to protecting brand integrity mm-hmm. um 
we have to do that. Right. We have to look out for not only our brands, but our but my job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I no. don't. I don't want Disney coming after me because right. we used just, a Mickey Mouse on a label. Just you know what I'm there. saying? Yeah, because like the Gold Eagle guys used the Star Wars logo for us and called it the Star Ward Barrel, I think, or something. Right. It was really cool. Right. I actually liked it a lot. They did uh, a nice job with it. Yeah, and you know, it's one of those times like, yeah, let it slide, because um, it looked good. But at the same time, it sucked because then everyone keeps that uh, relationship in their head, which they already have, most people already built up, Star Wars and Star Ward. <laughs> so fighting that every day of my professional life is always fun, too. Do a lot of people bring that up to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because okay. even when I go, hey, I work for Star Ward Whiskey, they're like, Star Wars? I would <laughs> yes. say, I would say like, two out of like five retailers would like, make a Star Wars joke when I first introduced them to the brand. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I'm so, like, cool, yeah. So you, you're well-versed, you're well-practiced in not rolling your eyes at people for making the same joke over well, and over sometimes again. I don't know if they're making a joke or they just misunderstood me. Oh, okay. Sure, and sure. I'm like, oh, no, not Star Wars, not the movie franchise, <laughs> not my favorite movie franchise, just uh, just whiskey from Australia. Yeah. So, it, so I usually lead with my card so they can see how it's spelled. Right. But it is kind of fun checking into hotels and you're like, what's your email address? And you start spelling it out and they're like... Oh wow! They get a little glitter, glitter in their I'm eyes. Kind of a big deal. Yeah, and they're like, if you feel like upgrading like, me, to S T A R D. Like, oh, it's yeah. not some cool guy from Lucas. Close. Yeah, but someday we'll get there. Um, no, it, it is interesting. It's like a wrong answer on Wheel of Fortune, almost. Like, oh, it's actually Star Wars. It is. Uh, <laughs> not the movies, just the whiskey. <laughs> But it is. It's weird. I've seen some labels out there. We actually had one where the retailer put a picture of my of our owner's boss on Crocodile Dundee. No, Steve Irwin's body, I think. Okay. I can't remember. I can't remember if it was Crocodile Dundee or Steve Irwin. One of the two. With for their permission? Sticker. No, they kind of just did it. <laughs> and my boss was like, "Hey, I'm just glad people are buying our whiskey." So he didn't really care. He can laugh at himself. So that's Fair totally point. fine. Fair point. Um, but other people that just are like, "No, like this is bastardizing the brand." And I understand that point of view as well, right? Because I'm kind of somewhere in between. Like, well, we sold a barrel in, but at the same time, it has a funny sticker, and will people understand it? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's there's been people that are whiskey groups that have inquired about like putting a medallion like oh, okay. on the label i'm like hey as long as you don't obstruct you know the 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 label itself if you want to put like on the top or on mm-hmm. the collar whatever i'm like wink wink nudge nudge i don't care yeah but it's like once you start getting into for one we're both creative people mm-hmm. it, um i've actually had to do a cease and desist for my personal creativity mm. against somebody who was stealing some imagery that i put out into the world wow and they were really cool about it. It was basically an email, but I got I got a nice letter yeah. face from my lawyer friend. Be like, I need to see and do this because they were selling merchandise with a painting I did oh, on wow. it. Reached out to them and like as an artist or creative person, I'm not really an artist, but a creative person. Uh-huh. Um, that's something I'm very sensitive about. Yeah. Uh, I know craft beer is really lousy with intellectual property theft. I mean, there's nothing sacred in craft beer anymore. <laughs> and the last thing I want is to have whiskey turn into that. And I don't think it will. Uh, for one, our pra- our barrier to entry is a lot higher than craft beer. But uh-huh. it's just like, really? Do you need a Beavis and Butthead sticker on the back of a bottle? Yeah. You really need to lift your leg like that? Yeah. Heard- uh, it's... <laughs> I go back and forth with the whiskey. At the end of the day, I don't lose any sleep over it because no. I don't care. But it's these bourbon groups that I don't. How do you feel about the whiskey groups out there? I don't know. It's not uh, holistically, but I yeah, mean, you know, everybody's yeah. had their own experiences. Yeah, it's interesting because as I've said many times on this podcast, during COVID, it was my responsibility for my job, my brand, to grow that relationship with whiskey clubs all across the country. So I saw, I see it as a necessary part of our industry, in a sense of reaching people. But I don't like the gatekeeping mentality that some of these clubs are getting because of the picks they've had, the access they've had to people in the industry. And I also wonder how much they actually do these clubs do it for the social part of whiskey and drinking whiskey together or versus just being able to go to a distillery and say, Hey, look at, I'm on Instagram live doing this thing at this distillery that you don't have access to. So basically clout chasing, like everything else in the world's come down to, I have, I have, I don't know. And then I had some other clubs that are just, awesome to work with that are right. true social clubs built around whiskey 
Um, but they're also really good friends and sold some barrels to some of them. But I have two clubs right now that I don't know if they are actually committed to the barrel they said they're going to buy. It's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Especially because, I mean, as you mentioned on your previous episode, that... I'm glad you reminded me of that episode. I forgot they, we did that. They, they have to get pulled through a license. They yeah. have to get pulled through on-premise, off-premise, uh, or in a distillery's case, own-premise. I mm-hmm. guess that could be sometimes. But, you know, like if, the, if these guys agree to pick, like a barrel of our whiskey is more or less about ten grand cost yep. to the account. And if we go in, let's say, with, uh, you know, Steve at Malloy's wants a barrel, and he has a social group involved, too, and they bail, he's left holding the bag. Which has happened. Right. And and it's challenging, too, because then, for one, it's not, I see it as, uh, going back to the positive, I see it for people like us and smaller brands, it's a great uh, chance to build a relationship. Um, I don't know how your bottles move or barrels move once they're released, Mm -hmm. uh, but there are brands out there that are kind of creating that false narrative of like, hey... If you do this, if you're here, you enter a lottery. And to me, that's like that's creating or potentially creating a false narrative to the layperson Mm -hmm. in that like, well, at that point, you're not selling whiskey. You're letting people buy it. Mm. Whereas smaller brands like ours are like, yeah, with with us, you get our bottles. People buy us and our and our bottles. That's just how we live. It's like, yeah, let's do some staff trainings. Let's do a release party. I would rather put my marketing money towards that. Mm -hmm. And let's drum up interest organically and let's follow up and do what we can. But at the same point, we can't run their shops for them. We can't, we can't make people buy these. Right. It's a weird proposition to have. You're getting, that's a whole new territory to mm-hmm. explore is how to resell your barrel. <laughs> the, the, uh, well, the disappointment of having to resell your barrel while once it's in the shop because the shop overextended themselves and was a little too gregarious in their approach to buying so many barrels at one time or in a certain part of or a certain part of one year all at one time. Oh no shit. But like back to the clubs, like I don't know. It's <laughs> I had some clubs that are great. How do we be diplomatic yeah. about this? Well, you know, I, so the reason why I'm stumbling over my words is because I have one club in Texas that's helped me get cocktail placements sure. uh, or this I guess placements behind bars they've helped me get into other retailers super helpful in that sense and really good dudes everything they kind of do is built around charity um they sell out of their bottles fast they actually never picked a barrel for me they just yeah. we just had a relationship we built online over That's COVID cool. and then met in person at some events last year end of last year and beginning of this year and just continued that relationship into into real life which is always nice to do but yeah. I have, I have, I guess I have three groups right now that have told me, I have one group that's told me now for 10, 11 months, they're going to buy a barrel. Right. And then it goes to a half barrel and you're like, okay. And still nothing has come to fruition whatsoever. And will you actually sell half barrels to people? Yeah. We still, we still have barrels just because we, our barrels are 46 packs. Um, so okay. we're trying like 220 bottles, which is a lot of whiskey because our barrels that's are a lot. Yeah. Our barrels are about six gallons larger than the standard size cask in America. That, okay. Yeah, yeah, so that starts there. Then we also have hogshead barrels that are 100-gallon barrels <laughs> and have like 360 <laughs> bottles to them. But, yeah, and then we have these wheat barrels that are usually around 30 cases just because you barrel age longer on them. So those yeah. are those are much more easy to sell. We sell out of, sell those eight pretty quickly. But um, getting back to groups, I just – they aren't – like you said, they don't have a license. So when they say right. yes to something, they can easily walk away, and that sucks. Then also, yeah. there's work you've done with people. Yeah, obviously, there's most whiskey clubs I've worked with over the last couple of years. There's been uh, a personal benefit. There's been a financial benefit for our company, so like a professional benefit. But at the same time, just trying to like talk with people about whiskey, if it's through this podcast or if it's through my job as a brand ambassador. Um, yeah, I want to get something out of it, but I'm not going to like just use and abuse you and walk away from it where <laughs> I feel like that's what kind of happens with with clubs and two brand or happens with clubs, two brands versus vice versa. It can happen either way, but I know the people that we work with uh, as ambassador and market managers, we usually try to like to maintain that relationship. It's weird because it's not that different. At least the, the experiences I've had with clubs, mm-hmm. um, have been mostly good. Yeah, uh, the 309 same. Whiskey Society, uh, St. Louis Bourbon Society. Yeah. Um, those guys, like the southern part of the state, um, are, are really doing fun things down there. And their access to juice 
is is pretty limited. So you know, mm. and, and first of all, the logistics of doing a single barrel right, is that's... I lose at least a day. Oh like, yeah, in the market. If I have to travel, it's even more. I'll build in a market visit. I'm not just going to go and sell single barrels. Yeah. But it's a lot of time, uh, logistically, a lot of communication, uh, very rapid succession, and looking at like some of these single or some of these little crews uh, or, or whiskey groups. Mm-hmm. Um, again, mostly positive experiences, but there are a couple that are just like it's hard not to let them get stuck in my craw yeah but it's also too like doing tastings with these guys it's like doing an event yeah you know, like some of them are like anything else like you're doing an event or you're doing a private tasting yeah you get some douchebags in there but you mm. get a lot of interest too and it's just like you know i'm not going to focus on that i'm not going to focus on the bad aspect but i'm like hey i got a couple <laughs> serious fans out of this i'm gonna latch onto that because otherwise you just focus on the bad you're gonna lose your mind yeah and, I, and like i'm not talking about people that you say like, you meet someone at an event and you give a card and you never hear it from them these are like what i'm saying bad experiences like you've done the legwork to sell a barrel someone's committed to a barrel or they've misrepresented what they really wanted from your distillery and you're like oh you just wanted free whiskey that's right yeah right right i've been doing all this work in you there, got, are, there are whiskey groups out there that right. I refuse to work with. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't mean, I will give people free whiskey for like a tasting. That's fine. Whatever. If, sure, I mean, of course. It doesn't yeah. mean you need to go buy a bottle. But when you're doing multiple tastings and people are like, hey, can we get some of this? Can we get some of that? Can yeah, we try uh, this and that? Gill's group. What is that? The oh, yeah. Enthusiastic Whiskey Hobbyist? Um, the Enthusiastic Whiskey Hobbyist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I did a tasting with them and I obviously donated product. I had yeah. a little swag and yeah. I was like, yeah, because you get, they're, they're great I'm people. guessing you sold 10 balls out of that tasting, to be honest. I'm hoping. Yeah, I don't know. No, like I, I, I'm based on my experiences with them. Granted, they bought. They will go buy. They, they bought will a, go buy yeah, bottles. For they sure. were. They were somebody in that cl- the first tasting I did with them. I don't know how long ago, uh, a year and a half ago. Someone went and bought a bottle from Benny's and came back to the tasting. And was like, hey, I got a bottle. <laughs> yeah, and then Wait, while you're doing the tasting, yeah, yeah they came back. Uh, yeah, no way. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's only happened twice on tastings. One of them was that. That's and, funny. And, and they were texting me pictures, pictures of them buying bottles or bottles on their back shelf afterwards. Then they ended up buying a half barrel from us, um, which is the first barrel they've ever bought as a group. Sure. So that, that was a cool experience in helping them out. But they also were very diligent in emailing and calling and asking questions. Very succinct. And, yeah. Yes, yeah. Very succinct. And it wasn't they're like, I hope I'm not bothering. I'm like, no, you're not bothering me. This is what I need from you guys. Cause yes. I need to kind of like hold your hand cause it's your first time doing it. We're also going through a very big retailer in Chicago, helping us out, doing a favor to his friends. So that can be a lot of work in, in that sense, but they were great to work with and partner with to help bring the barrel through. So yeah, it's a, it's a lot of moving parts. And then once you say once, like for us, once we say it, we have like, let's say 50 to 60 barrels allocated um, to America for the entire year. And we have now started moving samples all across the country. Chase makes, yeah, yeah, it's a nightmare to keep track of. <laughs> it's a nightmare. But once I say, like, hey, bottle 3333 is, barrel 3333 is off the board, everyone closes those tastings down. But if you back out from it, and let's say my counterpart in San Diego is like, dude, I got a group that really wants that. Are you sure? I'm like, yep, it's gone. Yeah. So you're not just affecting the retailer that you might bail on that was going to bring it in. You're right. bailing on the brand. You're bailing on the relationships. You're going to get blackballed eventually. Like, there's clubs that I will never work with. and right. I'm not going to say on this podcast because it doesn't need to, but if it comes up in conversation with retailers, like, stay away from that club. Like, yeah. If that club comes up, I'm like, they, here's what they've done. A, and, it, and it comes up between us branded supply right. side people as right. well. Right. That like, oh, these, have you dealt with them? I mean, we'll because we run into each other all the time, us mm-hmm. and other people in our industry. Right. And it's just like, you know what? It's not worth it. The no. risk is not worth the reward. And that's all it is. Right. Because uh, selling a, barrels are a risk. You get, I had a barrel sampling lined up with, um, it was a retailer, but there were some other people present that I think were part of a whiskey group. Mm. I It was the most, and this is not trying to be pretentious. This was <laughs> one of the most insulting things I was ever part of. Oh, wow. I walk in and it's like February in Can't the Midwest. Wait to hear so, this story. Really cold. Uh, it literally took chewed up my day doing this. Yeah. Got the samples sent to me. Uh, four samples from the distillery. This is a different there. state too, right? Uh, I'm not going to say which state it was. <laughs> was not Illinois, correct? I, I was there for 15 minutes. These guys had open bottles on a table. I'm like, here you go. I had where the barrel sat for how long. I had I nerded out. Yeah. And 
they just basically open the bottles, pass them around amongst themselves, and say, "Yeah, we don't, we're not going to take any of these." And I was like, "Motherfucker, pardon my French." I'm like, "Motherfucker, you reached out to me, right?" Like, I've known the guy through previous, you know, jobs and things like that. And and I'm like, "Okay, it's it's a prominent store," but mm-hmm. I'm like, "You reached out to me mm-hmm. about a barrel." Of course, I will take time out of my day. I'll coordinate with my team because that's my job. <laughs> but I was there for 15, 20 minutes, and they just rifled through them, didn't want to talk about it, didn't do the thing at all. That's weird. And then he starts pulling out some of his single barrels from other brands. He's like, you got to try this. You got to try this. And I'm like, I had a, I didn't want to be rude because uh-huh. it's not my job to be rude. Uh, I, You know, it's, it's all about negotiating relationships. And after, like, the third barrel, I'm like, listen, man, like, I got to go. It's snowing, and it's getting dark, so I got to spawn. Weird shadow. I think we... That's weird. (laughs) And I came home. I came home hot. I mean, it took me, like, two hours to get home. (laughs) I come in the door, and I'm steaming. And Susan, who's obviously in the industry as well, I told her, and she's like, wow. I, I told her what happened. I'm like, I'm never dealing with those guys again. Yeah. Like, flat out. Just be like, sorry. Uh, if my distribution partner wants to go up there and deal with them or go over there or down there or whichever direction the store was, like, that's fine. Yeah. And, you know, no one's obligated to buy a barrel because they want to taste it out. But when you reach Absolutely out. Absolutely not. Yeah. When you reach out and be like, hey, I want to have this brand on my shelf. And yeah. someone makes the effort to come down. You better have a really good reason why. Sure. Why you don't and, want to buy it. And you should also give that person more time than 15 to 20 well, minutes. Well, you're, you're wasting my time. Yeah. You know? And it's just like, by all means, and I say this before every tasting, too, that, like, this is by no means a commitment to buy. Mm-hmm. Should you happen to choose one, though, here's the steps that we're going to take, and this is what we're going to do, manage timeline expectations as best we can, mm-hmm. and go from there. And it's just like, man, like, for 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 us, which is our it's our job to be nice and to build <laughs> That's our brand, pointing it, um, yeah. and, and to be friendly and engage with people, and and we both like doing that and we excel at it. But man, when things like that happen and you have a long car ride home mm-hmm. because you're off in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. it's like man, that that was a long day. I've had a long plane ride home one time. Oh my god! Well, yeah, and, and that was more of the distributor's fault, where they're like, "Hey, we have these." Uh, retailers and clubs that want to taste single barrels. I'm like, great, cool. Awesome. I'll spend two days in the market doing that. Yeah. Hell yeah. And I tasted one account out in two days and they didn't even have our whiskey on the back shelf. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I, I was tasting them through at least one or two single barrels and I could tell that the GM was a fan of Star Wars. Okay. But the owner, who was also tasting, didn't have the time of day for me. Oh, and no. I was like, I'm like, have you ever had Star Wars before? He's like, no, it's my first time. I'm like, and we're starting with single barrels. All right. I'm I like, mean, that's an interesting jumping off point. So I was like, hey, here's a bottle. Here's a taste of Nova. So you can start to see where this all comes from, where it all breaks. Right. Where, and then how we break it down and showcase each individual barrel. But they didn't care. They were not really talking. We were sitting at a very big table. Like, Okay, cool. Like, this is good. But like this one's like, they were very upfront and blunt. But, like, this is not good. This isn't like. Okay, that's fine. I mean, you're that's they fine. Said, they said not good. Yeah, it's like they're like I'm pretty it's sure a little they harsh, which, which is fine. I don't know, like whatever. <laughs> it was also like 11:30 in the morning, um, but <laughs> there was just no, there was no delicacy to the presentation of welcoming myself and my rep in to tasty single barrels. Kind of like, yeah, here you go, get started. Or it's like, what do you, what are you guys looking for? What do you want to do? Like, right? Did you even know we we're coming to taste single barrels, or we thought we were coming here to taste a regular product out? Oh, wow. So there's a lot yeah. of confusion all the way so around. So you're stressed out immediately. Yeah. It's, yeah like, it's like first stop of two days. And then you don't even take your single barrel samples out for the rest of the two days on this work trip. <laughs> or maybe it did one more time. But yeah. It, yeah and just it's just a just a headache of running around with samples and tasting people out. And one buyer then takes an hour and a half to taste four or five samples and doesn't even buy anything. You're like, or is, it tells you, oh, I actually don't really have the buying power. <laughs> Right, right, and again, we have to be friendly and, right. and put that right. kind foot forward as we as we usually do successfully. Um, but like, if I'm doing a single barrel tasting, I'll block off hours. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Some people do it really quick. Mm-hmm. Um, I had uh, my the only single barrel of rye I have for the state of Wisconsin. Got I had a tasting with uh, a uh, liquor store group last week. Mm-hmm. 
it, they it took them like 10 minutes to taste like five samples. They knew what they were doing. They were pros. Cool. A couple years older than us yeah. and like own a couple of independent or I guess it's chain, but smaller chain. And they were just like, boom, boom, boom. Then they started asking me about the whiskey. We started to like really get into the nuance of, mm-hmm. of things and really build the brand up. And they picked one. I'm like, great. <laughs> like, so what do we do? I'm like, well, it's, it's going to be probably a few months away, mm-hmm. maybe three, four months. Um, but let's let's do a party. Let's let's. Yeah. What do you want to do? Right. I'm like, I'm not going to tell you what to do with your shop. I'm like, what do you want me to accomplish yeah. for you? How can I help you facilitate and and get these bottles into people's hands? Yeah, I'm always shocked when people don't want to do anything with a single barrel. Like I have an account right now. <laughs> yeah. I, I want. I think it'd been there for like four or five days. The barrel had arrived. And I was like, hey, uh, here's like your custom pins we did, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, and like, where do you want to do your launch party? Like, I think we're fine without it. Like, we're doing pretty well hand selling it. And I'm like, sweet. I'm That's like, a Goldilocks zone but right there, I don't man. think there really are. Like, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, 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 I've told, I have people have told me they went and bought the barrel or they're in the store and they saw the, the bottle and picked one up. But. I'm like, all right, cool. We're helping out with some other things, but at the same time, like a launch party, even if it's at a bar across the street that doesn't carry us, but they have to bring in a case and we'll help out with like a cocktail menu and, you know, do all that stuff behind that. Like, yeah, let's definitely do it. And you tell people that as well, like, Hey, here's the support we'll do for this barrel, especially for non-prem where it's a little bit harder to get through it. But like, Hey, we'll do a, we'll do a cocktail launch or boss will fly in. We'll make sure people get here to try yeah, it. That's You're going to go through a lot of whiskey in one night doing cocktails and we'll help you out with all the pricing. Sure. And then too, like, <laughs> like, no. like doing the virtual tastings mm-hmm. that we both have been doing in the last few years. It's just, now we have it within our skill set to, Let's do a staff training. Yeah. Here, I'll drop off some tasting kits for you guys because, you know, not everybody on the staff should have to come into work on their day off. But it's mm-hmm. like, hey, let's do a staff training. Here's a here's a Zoom link code or whatever you want to do. And do that. Like, you can do that. Like, yeah. Like, why don't other people do? Like, I know. Yeah. Like, has nobody else presented this to you? Because that's strange. You it know? Because that's a, that's a lot of money that they're spending with our brands. Yeah. It's like, yes, of course we'll do that for you. I can't make people buy it because it's your store, mm-hmm. but let's let's beat the drum a little bit. Right. And some of these people that are buying barrels are relatively inexperienced mm-hmm. or new to that aspect of the business, right. I should say. You know, and it's also scary looking at that number, like somewhere between seven thousand on average, probably for bigger brands that yield less bottles to twelve thousand right. dollars with smaller brands yeah. that have more bottles in a barrel. It's it's a big number to look at. Um, yeah, it is, especially, yeah. especially if you're not, um, I know like some of my barrels, um, they'll, they won't sell for a couple of months yeah. in some of these places. Yeah. And that's for me, that's, uh, I always find that disappointing because I want to be yeah. that barrel that people line up for, but we're not there yet. No. <laughs> um, I'm not sure how many, I'm not sure how many small brands to be honest really are. When I look at, very few, very few. I, Cause you think of like, you think of the internet's. I don't want to say hilarity, but it, the internet fame that a bear, a small brand like Pinhook has, where right. Leo still has their five year and their six year on the shelf of their Pinhook picks, and they just did a seven year as well. It's coming in the fall. Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's great for a, a, the, that right bourbon drinker who's visiting Chicago knows what that store walks in there says. I can buy all three of these at one time <laughs> if I want to. I, I always like doing the. Uh, there's a store not too far uh, north from here. Okay. That has like a little tasting room in the back, and they're they've really been over the last couple of years really driving a lot of customers to their barrel picks, mm-hmm. and they seem fairly successful at it yeah. too. Um, so I pop in there. I was in there a couple months ago uh-huh. and just passing through. And I always I always look at their liquor shelves because we're crazy people and that's what we do. I found a bottle of yellow label Jim Beam Rye really? on their shelf, which hasn't been a thing in at least ten years. So I'm like, they're flying through these single barrel things that they huh. sell, but they have at least a decade old, if not one, if not two labels removed of Jim Beam Rye. So I grabbed the rye and I'm like, that's cool. That's shocker because the buyer there loves Jim Beam. I'm surprised it's still on the shelf. Uh, there was, this was a couple months ago, there was one behind it. But like, okay. to me, like Jim Beam Rye was a, when I started bartending, I was very unfamiliar with rye because there wasn't a lot back then. Mm-hmm. 
and I had the Jim Beam rye, and it's barely rye. It's it's like fifty five or fifty eight percent rye, and the rest corn and a bunch of other shit. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, oh, okay, this is rye. Mm-hmm. I kind of like it. So it's a, it was a cool bottle to see yeah. like the almost that same label in a store that's very prominent with their single barrel slags. It's kind of what well, they've got like a ten year old Jim Beam product sitting there. Why, basically, why they have a whiskey selection is because they're single barrels. Yeah, and that's cool. It's it's just yeah. No, and I, I was single barrel in that store right now, and they went through half of it in two weeks. Which, that's impressive. Yeah, which, I mean, they did, and they had 130 bottles, smaller barrel. That's a lot. And they went through like 65 bottles in two weeks. Did you do like a tasting with these did, guys? Did, or did with a them. release party? Yeah, cool. Um, Very cool. My boss happened to be in town that week, so he came, signed, signed some bottles, um, did a little release party, dropped off you know some t-shirts and swags for people who bought a bottle. Sure. Um, even when I was in there, it goes to how they're how well they're known for their single barrel picks. I was there on a Friday afternoon, yeah. And two guys came in, saw our barrel like front, right, and center of the store. It was sitting on a barrel head, and they're like, "Oh, I've never heard of this brand," but they're going to buy a barrel pick because they trust those buyers. That's so important. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um. And this is an example because like they kind of then I bought them a bottle twofold. <laughs> their their tasting room. Uh. Is they call it something different other than what the store's name is. <laughs> and that's what they put on their single barrel stuff. But mm-hmm. it's, it's not just the owners. They have like some other social they're a club. aspects of yeah. it too. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's some, I don't want to say stakeholders, but there's some people that do yeah. some tastings with them that are part of their process. Right. And that's a really good example of building a base, building trust, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, what that, uh, when you were sitting with Steve Malloy, mm-hmm. And that watershed pick, mm. uh, I met Steve for the first time maybe a month or so later, and I saw that watershed pick sitting on the shelf, and I, I'm like, I remembered what you guys were talking about. Mm. I'm like, all right, it's 65 70 bucks, so it's not cheap. No. But I wanted it just based <laughs> on that. Yeah. And I went home, and I was just like, holy cow, for a small, very small brand, they they outpunched their weight yeah, on that. definitely. I remember the face I made when I first tasted that, Steve, mind. Steve looked at me and he's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I also know because there's a lot of mirrors in that office too, so I saw my face. That, that is a weird disco office. It's like, it's like, what year was this office built in? Yeah, it's like, my, uh, it's like my Italian grandmother that lives in Westchester that I also don't have. Like, that's what I imagine her, her living room looking like. Yeah, I don't know if I can see that. No, I think getting back around to the, like, the question we first had are, are, are clubs a good thing or a bad thing for our industry? I think overall they are a good thing. Um, like anything in life or anybody in life, once you get a little too much praise, it can go straight to your head. I don't like that now in spirits competitions, there's clubs of the year, whiskey clubs of the year. Being... You're shitting me. Oh, okay. that's, oh no. Right. Oh, no. Well, that's a whole new can of worms. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. Because... <laughs> Because I just don't get it. Right. I don't get that. The reason why I'm not really in favor for it is because the Whiskey Club is so tenuous as an overall label, as an overall thing in this entity, in this industry, because all it takes is two people that run the club to stop being on Facebook and Instagram, and the club dies. Right. It goes away. It goes away very quickly. And I've seen that happen to a lot of clubs um, that were barrel-picking clubs or... I picked, picked a few barrels. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we we all have to go into work now. We're not just sitting on the internet drinking with each other like <laughs> we have been for the last two years. So you right. have that condensation that's naturally happening. Right. On top of, like, it's... You catch more you catch more bees with honey, mm-hmm. obviously. And the ones and, I've seen these nominations for, these categories for, the clubs are more charity-based clubs if it's a if it's like a proper 501c3 right um that does product donation or financial donation or embedders their community in Mm -hmm. some way hell yeah i'm totally all about that Mm -hmm. but if it's just like if it's just a couple of slapheads sitting around like yeah with ten thousand followers they bought eight thousand like i I just don't get that i I don't understand and that's maybe just a disconnect i have uh Leave your comments below. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I, I that sort of we, thing. I, I put out a post um, <laughs> after the Will Smith slap with so many memes were there. I put out a post saying, uh, like, whiskey ambassadors as as Will Smith and um, as Chris Rock, uh, whiskey clubs telling brand ambassadors about how to do their job. 
kind of thing. Yeah. And I got like a little bit of like that's that's something that that I get really uh, kind of oversensitive about. Yeah, um, I, because I wasn't you and I both obviously you had, had a longer road than me into this industry and all of that. But people call me, they, came, they literally ask you like, how do I get your job? And I don't think they mean like how do I get a job like yours. It's like how do I get your job? And I'm like, well, I made less than what you consider it was. I, I made less money. Um, I was at the poverty level of making money. Yeah. My first, my first distillery job. Yeah. Before that, I was contracting for free, writing articles and taking photos across the city and country. When I go on my own personal trips or work trips. Yeah. And do stuff and do all that. So like the first five years I worked in this industry, I didn't even make a hundred thousand dollars. Combined, <laughs> and you're like, oh, I'm like that's what I did. And then I got a few more jobs, kept in touch with people, and was in the right place at the right time. A lot of it's that, yeah. Um, and I'm not discounting your yeah. experience because I'm no. very much the same. In all, that, all like, how do I get your job? It's like, I, I don't know. How do you answer that? I mean, yeah. like, working the door for years before maybe bar backing, yeah. and then maybe bartending, and then being a key holder. Yeah. You know, because my my. My trajectory was singular-ish, but on a very long timeline. Mm-hmm. And it was just a different, I don't want to say a different world back then, because you know then we're going to have to pivot or whatever the fuck. Um, but it was just like, it's make a decision and go with it. Um, a lot of it is timing, mm-hmm. um, learning how to be right, mm-hmm. and owning that. Yeah. And just going with it um, is such a huge component of what we do that, like, if it's a whiskey group and they're rubbing you the wrong way, uh, don't do it. Yeah. Our, my job does not depend and my brand does not depend on me selling a barrel to somebody. Yeah. And that's a nice nice thing to have. That's a great segue into what I was just about to ask you. Um, we can get off the whiskey club <laughs> topic here for I a like second. whiskey clubs but it, yeah. it's uh, I think we both do I, don't, I mean we've talked enough about it and all that but you get one onion in a bushel of apples you're gonna remember the onion 100% you know? yeah but I was going to ask you overall with that comment are single barrels a positive purpose for brands or is it something that can overtake the brand's image and you become a single barrel brand versus Woodenville uh, it depends. For us, absolutely not. Um, I, I don't see us as a risk with that because we have people like myself uh, scattered throughout the country mm-hmm. that are actually out there doing the groundwork every day. Yeah. And that's a very important thing. I, I still get excited about selling single barrels and, and developing those relationships. Um, and But there's also whiskey brands out there that are almost like non-flagship models that that's all they do yeah yeah, yeah. which is cool ish i guess I, I just don't know that's a completely alien way of thinking yeah. about things for me um there's only one brand that really comes to mind it's a midwest brand that they've totally refocused their whiskey into single barrels because their whiskey's not good when it's blended together jepson no <laughs> sorry malort malort uh, bourbon no that much different i guess for how they source their whiskey no it's a place that's an actual distillery um i don't need to say names but okay. it's uh cause we, i have a friend who used to work for them but yeah they like then it, it's their commitment is single barrels that's where that's cool. their focus is yeah i guess so um I don't really understand it either. I'm always afraid of oversaturating Starward into the market as a single barrel distillery versus a distill. Like I've had people say to me that have I've never met before at a bar, being like, "Oh, I didn't know you guys actually had core whiskey." <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, there's that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's only happened once or twice. Once just it's... happened recently. But he's like, "I see your single barrels all over the internet. Like, do you have other whiskeys?" I'm like, "We do." <laughs> I mean, pre-COVID, I was with a more cocktail-focused brand. Yeah, that you know we could we could really fight it down to almost that dollar an ounce sweet spot of being in cocktail placement. Whereas Woodenville is, it's a totally different animal. It's a totally different brand. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but we're in that era now, Uh, you know, marketeers and, and those people have been saying forever that like people are drinking less and like, yes, that's true. But they're spending more to do that. Right. They're drinking better too. Exactly right. And for brands like us that we live and you know, we live not in that dollar an ounce range. Mm-hmm. It gives us a chance a little bit, um, which is incredibly rewarding. It's not that race to the bottom. Like it was like, mm. well, my man had 17 cents an ounce for the whiskey. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. Yeah. 
I'm not going to try to argue with that because I'll I'll lose I'll lose my hat over it. But right. the people that are like, yeah, I would like this in a Manhattan or yeah. whatever cocktail. I'm like, great. Like you're the artist. If you want to paint with my colors, by all means, do it. Right. But there's also that there's also another situation of oversaturating the market of single barrels, where then you have a store like we're, we talked a little bit about today um, mm-hmm. how a certain store can't get those bottles off the shelf and, yeah. a, lo- and a lot of those bottles off the shelf. And not only is that consequences the bottles sitting on the shelf, that probably means there's cases that are distributors still sitting there, and they're probably not super happy with us. I yeah, I mean, I would hope not, but I mean, part of our thing um, is that like you have to take it all in at once. Okay. Um, and that's a that's an agreement we have with our distributor. Who do you guys use? Uh, we're using Southern now, but we're going to be switching to Breakthrough. Oh, I know. Uh, pretty soon, Welcome just over. in Illinois. Welcome over to the dark side. I know it's going to be fun, uh, fun summer. Um, the grays are already coming in. <laughs> um, but also, too, like, it, it's... I f- it seems that Breakthrough's a little more lenient on that than what I've heard of Southern, they, It might change. Yeah. I don't think it will, but it might. Um, yeah, it's kind of a boring conversation, though. But it does. Well, distribution. Yeah, yeah. But it there's, you know, you have you pay taxes on the barrels that are in your warehouse as a distributor. Um, right. Or the, as the cases that are in your warehouse. So... Obviously, they want to get that out fast. There's also not unlimited space um, at most warehouses as well. Yeah, it's it's and just, they want to make their money. Which... It's exactly. The, it, I mean, it's it's a grander scale, but it's it's the same theory that you know if if an account buys a barrel and mm-hmm. it doesn't move for them, that's going to leave a bad taste. And mm-hmm. you can't do that with your distributor. I mean, you shouldn't do it with your accounts either. But right. a, your distributor definitely do not do not pee on those shoes. Right. But there's some accounts you just. It's just not going to felt like it might. They thought that might, and it just doesn't for some reason. It, sure, it could be location of the account. It could be changing times of the economy. Well, sure, and you hate to see it. Like there's there's been a couple single barrels that I've bought from accounts that are just like really good. But yeah, nobody's buying them mm-hmm. because I don't know. Maybe it's the account staff isn't learned up as much as they should be, or maybe they don't care. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure <laughs> what it is, and it's it's painful to see but yeah. there's there's single barrels out there that are stunners yeah that just nobody knows about because they're not getting told these are things you like the single barrel stuff like at smaller stores you can't just google it and see what people think mm-hmm. and that's where we come in too is like mm-hmm. all right whether it's a shelf talker uh, a virtual tasting an in-store tasting whatever you know that's the challenge of single barrels in smaller markets smaller brands in smaller markets are really challenging yeah like i have two barrels that moved at Benny's in the time that i don't even know if i'm not i don't know how many cases i've moved at the small store i'm thinking of right now of their single barrel and then Benny's has brought in 900 more bottles of single barrels between three different barrels (laughs) well but but a lot of it has to do with shelving placement at Benny's because we're we still the same problem we're still an australian whiskey at Benny's in even a bigger section of whiskey (laughs) <laughs> a more giant catalog of whiskey and not just a catalog of bourbons and rice, but world single malts and American single malts. Right. But I mean, even as a global single malt, let's just, let's, let's move Scotland from the single malt yep. conversation, but let's keep every other global single malt mm-hmm. in there. That's a very small arena. True. It's pretty small. I mean, you've got some Pacific Northwest, some, what there's a Spanish one, Japanese, Japanese, yeah, Japanese is a big one, I guess. Um, and it depends where you're, a lot of them kind of merge into the Irish section as well, so right? Kind of in there, yeah, that's true. But usually in the world single malt, it's everything outside of uh, Scotland and Ireland. And yeah, Japan's kind of in there, not really in there, but I, like when we talked with these stores, whether it's uh, whether it's a chain or indie yeah. store. I love walking the aisles and asking them about, hey, how's this going? Oh, I've been reading about this brand. How's this moving? And the variance of response is really interesting, too, because mm-hmm. some of these, like, they'll have a single barrel sitting there and be like, okay, cool. Sometimes I'll give you a taste. Like, well, yeah. Of course, I'm grabbing one of those because it's usually good. Yeah. And it's like some, some of these big brands just sit there. It doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. It kind of, I guess it's really just where the store is located and who's coming into that store. A lot of, and the a lot culture that they're developing. Yeah. Um, Gold Eagle obviously is really doing well. Yeah. Uh, Gene at Warehouse mm-hmm. uh, has developed almost cult status. Um, 
yeah. Steve Malloy is really, really cultivating a, a healthy whiskey culture out there too. And uh-huh. it's cool because yeah. these guys are all involved with their communities. Right. Where I just, I hate, I'm thinking of another store where it has a few locations and one of the managers at one of these stores at a single barrel of ours doesn't talk about whiskey at all. Really? Yeah. But why did they, was this person part of that process of picking one? No. Okay. But they just, they know it. about it. Like they're educated on it. Now, it's not it's not just my whiskey, it's the whole whiskey shelf. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. they're more focused on another alcohol beverage and that's what they speak on. And they don't sell a lot of whiskey at this shop when they have multiple shops, but this one's always the lower sales of whiskey. Even though they have whiskey nerds that come into their shop to buy whiskey. Sure. But the average day whiskey drinker is gonna go buy Buffalo Trace or where the smaller amount of whiskey they actually have versus selling this delicious single barrel or the smaller brands that are there in general. Right. And that's, that's an interesting thing too, with doing single barrel stuff is, is I, I looking into or looking at the labels mm-hmm. and looking at the store, let's say it's your local. Um, there's a couple stores out by me in the suburban wasteland <laughs> that like I've, I've learned to trust them. Um, mm. Like I'll pop in and, you know, whether it's Gold Eagle Malloy's or any of the other shops that are developing uh, whiskey cultures and, and a fan base, and I'll trust them. Like you, like I'll walk in, like, hey, what do I need to buy? What, yeah. Which one of yours do I need to have? Right. And ev- eventually, like we get to know each other's tastes a little bit, like you got to try this. Yeah. Like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. I'll buy a bottle from them once a month or so or once every couple months. Um. But when drinking that, I'd be like, this is a reflection of not only this brand, but this store as well. And I'll think of the people mm-hmm. that are running these stores or bars and things like that. And that's important, too, as opposed to, like, the collectability of things. Like, why do you need this? Why do you need this brand that there might be a line down the street for mm-hmm. at 2 o'clock on a Tuesday? It's that fear of missing out. It's that, I what was it, Freddie Minnick, and I'm paraphrasing, but... When he said like leaning, leaning your allocated bottle against your BMW steering wheel with mm-hmm. your Swiss mm-hmm. watch mm-hmm. on and posting it is the equivalent of duck face for whiskey. <laughs> it's fucking true. Oh like, yeah, hundred percent true. I, yeah. Again, I'm paraphrasing, but like when I first read that, another somebody else I respect uh, paraphrased that as well, mm-hmm. and I read that, and I was just like, that's amazing because it's true. Yeah, it's hundred percent true. It's. <laughs> Like it's, I said a few times, clout chasing. And I don't really know who you're talking to out there somewhere in the void. I don't really care. Social media is driving us all crazy, I feel like. So oh, stepping I, away and back from it like is only it the healthier all. decision. I, I feel myself doing a social media purge again. Every couple <laughs> years, I, I purge everything for a while. Right. I did so like six months into the pandemic. I was off the grid for a few months. It was awesome. <laughs> I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't need to make. I don't need to see an out of work bartender make a bowl of RDA on Instagram live. Yeah, cool if you do that. I'm right. not knocking it, so don't get oversensitive now. Right. But you know, I know everybody's people really, who made money doing it. More power to you. That's awesome. I, I, I wish I could do that, right. but it's mostly just pictures of my dog and food that we make because I don't care. It's my life. It sums, yeah. up my, sums up my I, life. Yeah, it's like I mean, part of my job is to what well, like. I, I generate content yeah. and help generate content to be submitted to our social media team. Mm. Like, I don't want to have that branded presence in in the yeah. social media sphere. Yeah, I'll post something, hey, check out this it cocktail, is, whatever the fuck. Bill. It is really interesting how people right away when they get a job, they're like, hey, I'm going to change my name to Jim Beam Jack or like Star Wars Jake. And I'm like, I don't really <laughs> want to do if that. If people want to do that, that's great. Yeah, I guess. But like, when... I post a lot about our brand, but don't get me wrong, but like, I'm not, it's my not the only thing former, I do. My former brand, um, they gave me a little bit of guff for, uh, I was off social media for, uh, Jesus, almost a year. Mm. And they weren't giving me, they weren't like saying like, you need to get back on there. But they're like, well, don't you think you should be? And I'm like, no, uh, <laughs> I don't. Because for one, that's less distraction for me. Yeah. But we have access to our sales numbers. Be like, my numbers are good. Right. This, I'm not saying social media doesn't matter, but it's like doing an event. Like, what's the ROI? Mm-hmm. How do you prove that? Right. And yeah, okay, cool. Like, I was hoping the pandemic was going to be the death of the influencer, which apparently we narrowly missed that. But oh, they're still around. But that, they're, thing, they're obnoxious, it's, it's, though. If you want to be an influencer and gain back the Fred Minutes quote about, you know, 
posting all that shit at one time. Yeah. Who are you influencing? And if you're going to do that... <laughs> if you influence me to laugh at something, right. then you're doing your job. Well, what, I mean is, <laughs> what I mean is you're doing it with the same 10 bottles. It's all about... This, right. It's all right. about these allocated bottles you're doing it with. But everybody wants those bottles. You're not influencing anybody to do that. If you're influencing sure. somebody, you're influencing somebody to drink a diversity of whiskey. That's my whole idea of an influencer. And that's where I get kind of lost with these clubs and these in, you know influencers, if you will, and have like a migraine sometimes thinking about it and having to work with people that have false followings. Um, they aren't organic followings. Bots. But, yeah. yeah, bots, followers, yeah. they purchased, whatever it may be. Or even just they don't actually engage enough to to have an audience there where they ha- have a ton of followers but don't ever oh, engage the with it. Hashtag algorithms, things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah so all sure. that all that kind of things, or they just don't they don't go into their comments and actually engage with people, and people I don't know started following them and then <laughs> falls off. Long story there, but uh, it's I I just don't think they understand that their stay isn't permanent. Where these brands are trying to build permanence and us working with them or whatever it may be, it, it, it can create a decline of a brand as you go to decline with it, as that club fades away, as your influence fades away, we want to be a, have a staying power. Your job, your, your hobby online is not a staying power. Sure. And, and I suppose that's, that's a separation of, uh, between an event and a social media presence. And where yeah. that separates out is that, if we're at like Whiskey X and we get 200 people at our table, if five of those people really want to engage, and of course it's more than that, but yeah. I'm using the lowest end of the spectrum, right. five out of 200 people want to really engage, get to know you and stuff like that, transposing that onto the selection that's out there right mm-hmm. now. There's more than 200 American whiskeys out there right now or 200 single malts, 200 whiskeys in general. You go into Benny's, there's hundreds. Right. If five of those 200 people that walk into Binnie's grab one of my bottles, job well done. Mm-hmm. But it's tracking that. And that's where I'm very obsessed with tracking ROI. Right. And the whole bot farming, um, things like that, it's creating that, again, kind of false narrative. Yeah. That's, Why I, I, do you want that bottle of allocated whiskey so bad? Because you can't have it? Mm-hmm. Because you want to share it with somebody, whatever your story is, it doesn't matter. Maybe it's your no, dad's all, birthday or yeah. some shit or whatever people make. We have up. a yearning to be included in everything. In life. Right, and I get that, but like, get that bottle mm-hmm. and and enjoy it and and do it. Whereas, I don't know if we have. If you want to get into secondary market too, we can do that. Unfortunately, I don't have time to do that. <laughs> Good. Um, I no, I think it's here. just it's. It's also like, why can't you just open that bottle and share it with your friends versus opening? That's a whole point, right? Versus opening it and posting it online that you're doing it. Right. There's, yeah. there are those special bottles. Oh, yeah. that, that you have and hold back for like, you know, holidays or, um, we have a tradition in our house that we open a very specific brand of whiskey on a presidential election day, and you are not allowed to pour that whiskey into a glass. You have to drink it right from the bottle. Nice. And it's uh, it's not cheap. But that's what we do because we want to say, we want to give that sense of preciousness the finger mm-hmm. and just be like, we're going to do this the way we want. We'll have people over. We cook. That's how and we show you, love. And if you post a picture of it, the bottle will actually be open. It will Whiskey be open. will be drained out of that's it. That's the point, though. Right, right. You know, and, and yeah, there's some unopened bottles that you save for things. I get Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I just have unopened these, bottles because I forget how much I freaking have. And I'm like, oh, oh that bottle's right. still back there? Right. Yeah. You see these douchebags out there that are posting all these things that are just like, look at my collection and blah, blah, blah. The bro right. flex. Right. And it's like, man, like your bottles aren't open. Like what, you've got four six ten deep yeah. of this rare whiskey doing air quotes because you can't hear my fingers doing that and like why and then why put that out into the universe so like that yeah. so you you found that bottle ten times or you know somebody yeah I, I don't get that aggressive flex and me as not being an aggressive person I like uh-huh. to share I like yeah. to enjoy and laugh that's so alien to me. The funny thing about it too is then these people reach out to brands to work with them, what they post, and the brands are like, why would we pay you to do the work you're already doing for us? Yeah. They don't understand that. Yeah, idiot. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, no, you're already doing the legwork. You're you're adding 
you're adding air to that bubble. It's so funny. That's, and that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for doing yeah. that. I know people that do that for my brand too. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, awesome. Thank you for being a partner. Whenever you're in town, let's go out, let's mm-hmm. hang out, I'll buy you dinner. Yeah, I was that explaining to some stuff. whiskey friends how when I first got into this market or got start uh, got into the market with Starward, um, I didn't really approach the single malt drinker because they're all posting the same McAllen's, the same Highland Parks and all this other shit. Yeah. I have a lot of followers, this like single malt, single malt category on Instagram or Facebook, but they weren't posting anything new or young, but the bourbon and rye drinkers were. And so that's the, right, that's the people right. I reached out to and sort of hang like kind of hanging out with online. Like, hey, you want to try this? Like, I'm not. You don't have to post. If you don't like it, you don't have to post about it. If you don't like it, you still post about it. But like, here's a ask, here's right? a sample. You know, if you yeah. like it, like, let's meet up sometime if we are in the same city and hang out and have a drink. It's that it, it's you get into those single malts, you can get into those bourbons and those ryes. Mm-hmm that it becomes more about the lifestyle to be seen drinking it. And I get the luxury mentality of right. like, I wor- I deserve this. I yeah. work, I'm saving up for this. Whether it's a nice watch, a pair of Jordans, or a nice single malt, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Treat yourself, right? Like, do that. By all means, buy that special bottle. Feel good doing it. Yeah. But it's those... It, 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 when you order it, and you're out and you want to be seen to do it. Mm-hmm. That's when it becomes that lifestyle thing, too. It goes from luxury to lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Lifestyle is to be seen, mm-hmm. not to enjoy luxury, mm-hmm. but to be seen enjoying luxury. And American whiskey is becoming a lot more prevalent, too. Those those whales, those yeah. shelf queens that are out there that, like, what maybe if I buy three of your other single barrel things, you'll let me enter a lottery to maybe have a chance. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, like, I hate I, when I, I single barrels are used for that. I don't either. It it really kind of cuts me in a weird way. That like, okay, so so why do you buy my barrel? <laughs> <laughs> right, it's so alien to me that it. I, I'm just, it's also a good too, marketing it's idea, like, but it's a clever marketing yeah. idea. I wouldn't say it's good. It's clever. Mm-hmm. Um, it moves the needle, yeah. but it's like, oh, so I got to buy this now to maybe get this other thing that I well, want. It's like, also, to me, that's manipulation over, over I, marketing. I think it also fucks up your, your loyal customers too, who are coming in, buying whiskey, buying beer, buying wine at your store, but they, the only way they can get the whiskey that they might really enjoy or cherish or search out for, seek out for, the only way they can get it is buying your 65 to $80 single barrel. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, so yeah. I have to commit to that, to the chance to maybe do it when I'm coming in here every week and buying something from you. Right. I mean, when I was in my early thirties, um, I was working at West Lakeview liquors with, uh, a couple other people and it, it was before the whiskey boom really even happened. Social media was kind of fledgling. Yeah. Um, and we would get like some allocated whiskeys in, and we would hold those bags. Sometimes we'd put one out, kind of, kind of like we did at Warehouse too. That would be like mm-hmm. we put out a couple bottles a day, maybe one a day or whatever, allocated, hard to get stuff. Right. And we'd mix it up as to when we'd put them out too. But more often than not, we'd save them for our regulars. Yeah. Be like, hey, cool. Like you've been coming in here, you get a six pack, you get a, you know, you get a fifth every couple of weeks or whatever. We just got this in. Do you want it? Mm-hmm. And then you go from there. I get it. Not everybody's got the time. Mm-hmm. And especially because of social media, it's mm-hmm. a release comes out and you've got hundreds of bottles of something or almost hundreds of bottles of something selling out in half an hour. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. completely insane. It is. No. And I think, I think uh, retailers that have that experience with those brands, they haven't figured out the right way to market that to the other brands that are out there, smaller brands like ours. Because you could do it. I, I've, I've pitched ideas, people, and all this and that, but it's it. They focus. They have that singular focus almost on the bigger brands doing that, and then bringing these smaller brands in. But well, you have to get it's posting those, and then once it sells out, yeah, editing the post that says sold out. Right. It's like just take it down. Just take the fucking post down. It's not going to hurt your brand at all. It's not going to hurt your shop at all. Yeah. But, and and it's just like, are you really sold out or are you holding a couple cases back for people that might not be able to make it in on mm-hmm. a Tuesday that are going to be in Which is fine weekend? if you do that. Of course you're going to do that. But don't put sold out. Right. Because yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. So I can't make it 50 miles down the road to see a shop I know or normally otherwise don't or, get to as go a brand, to. I might see that. I might tell my boss, hey, we pulled through this barrel. Cool. And then I'll walk into that shop a week later, two weeks later, and there's bottles on the shelf. I'm like, wait, are you guys, do 
you still have this? Because that, that, that happened to me with the store. Really? Yeah, they told us they were sold out. And I come in, there's like still two and a half, three cases on the shelf. Not a big deal, but you're right. like, like, oh, so like you're not going to be, you're still not buying anything new, so this thing is gone, though. Right. So it kind of puts you in a weird situation, but... Well, yeah. and, and doing that thing, too, of like... We, if, if, if there's an account that wants a barrel from us, mm-hmm. we won't do it if they haven't done any other previous business with us. Good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not like, hey, yeah, cool, we can do this, but this is typically what we do. Yeah. Uh, we're looking for partnerships. We don't just want to be like, here's a barrel, see you next year. There should be a philosophy of how you sell your whiskey, for sure. And, Absolutely. And, that, and, and that's a huge thing. Whether And there's no right or wrong. It's whatever works for what you want to do right. and accomplish. I agree. Um, well, I have to end up get, get going. Usually I'm the one that can talk forever on these things, but <laughs> going over an hour right. somehow. Really? Um, yeah, that was fast, fast, very fast. But our conversations usually do move fast and long. Um, <laughs> uh, anything you need to promote with Woodenville? Um, yeah, if uh, if when's this coming out? Wednesday, two days Wednesday, from now. Uh, this Thursday at Bottom Lounge, I'll be doing. Uh, it's a Wandered Lust, Wanderlust Art Festival, so it's a collection oh. of local artists. Cool. Uh, I'll be doing a whiskey tasting over there because artists need whiskey a lot um although i never drink when i'm being creative um i'll have some repurposed whiskey barrel things that i've been tinkering with so yeah. stop by it's upstairs at bottom lounge this thursday That's awesome. it should be fun very cool and go by the plum market single barrel plum market's still open <laughs> if it's still open uh <laughs> um Let's get, get right single now. barrels where you can um but support the other support the core skews as well uh i always permanently see closed permanently closed so unfortunately i always see single barrels or private slags as as a reflection of where i buy them not necessarily of solely the brand because everyone is different i hope we were uh fair to both sides of the aisle if you will on and if not start your own podcast right (laughs) exactly i like that (laughs) but i know there's a lot of people in whiskey clubs out there listening to this podcast uh let me know i'd love to hear what you think about all this um Probably not going to have a conversation with you on here because I don't really care to have a conversation with Whiskey Clubs on our podcast, but uh, (laughs) we'd love to hear it through chats and all that good stuff. Um, So fun. Thank you for listening. As always, Eric, thanks for coming. Thanks for bringing some good whiskey. And everybody out there, have a great rest of your week. And as you're heading into summer, I hope you have a lot of fun and do a lot of fun things. Get out there and explore life. And enjoy processed air. (laughs) Cheers. (laughs) 